This is Alistair Sin of the band From Hell, and you're listening to Misery Points Radio. Thanks for joining me again on Misery Point Radio. Appreciate you venturing forth from the darkness into what I can only describe as more darkness. What did you expect? A beacon of hope? A tunnel of light? An illuminated path to redemption? Sorry, I'm nowhere near qualified to provide any of that, but at least you're not alone. Because today, you've got the rats and the ravens to guide you through the void and help you transition to a new state of being. Don't worry your pretty little heads. It'll be... Mostly painless. Anyway, today's guest haunted me just over a year ago on Misery Point Radio, and we had an awesome time discussing the development and recording of his band's debut album, Ascent from Hell, as well as the then-in-progress upcoming album, Rats and Ravens. I'm, of course, talking about George Anderson, a.k.a. Alistair Sin, frontman and primary storyteller of the band From Hell, an Oakland-based horror metal concept band with a taste for the supernatural. Over the last year, From Hell put the finishing touches on their latest release, and now in just one short week, Rats and Ravens will be unleashed upon the world. We had a killer conversation about the recording of the album, the development of the story and the characters, the differences between the two albums, and the kick-ass videos that they shot over a year ago that are finally being released. George also dished on some epic extra bonus material that he hopes to release this year, as well as their upcoming, and as of now still scheduled, European tour with fellow metal legends Atheist and Cadaver. Absolutely killer. I've been waiting for this album for quite a while now, so I'm excited to share this conversation with you here on Misery Point Radio. So, stay out of the woods, don't cross the plane, and lock your door, and check out this conversation with one of metal's most creative and unique songwriters. Here we go. Hey, George, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for joining me again. Thanks, Mike. How are you doing? How's uh, Misery Misery Point Radio these days? Oh, you know, we're doing pretty good. I guess, uh, you know, the, the upside to everybody being locked in place is that you have a lot more time to work on content. So, uh, in fact, it's at the point now where I'm a little little backed up. I'm a little behind. Um, so much stuff kind of in the works that now I got to I got to power through all that. So it's pretty cool. I've been able to talk to a lot of cool people and you just kind of keep things going and working on a ton of cool new stuff. Thanks for asking. What are you doing over there right now? Right on. Uh, well, just promoting this new record. That's kind of been my main focus right now. So and uh, we just came out with a uh, record comes out next week on May 22nd. And uh, we just uh, released a new video uh, yesterday uh on uh, may 15th called they come at night hell yeah So pretty stoked about that it's uh i'm happy to finally put out a video that's uh you know quality like this but this band has been cursed when it comes to videos <laughs> believe me we've tried and tried and tried and for whatever reason something always goes wrong but finally this time we got a good one <laughs> yeah you guys are you're on the track to some pretty good promotions i mean i've been keeping an eye out on all your studio diaries and kind of all the cool things you've been you've been doing a really good job i think of keeping people aware of what's going on which i think is a uh, something a lot of bands don't do or a lot of artists don't do is you know hey we've got this thing in the works i can't really talk about it because there's some legal mumbo jumbo behind it and but then they go dark right and then all of a sudden oh hey look there's new stuff out where I think if you keep people kind of at least informed on, hey, this is happening, this is happening, can't talk about the details, but you can let people know you're still alive. So you guys have been uh, doing a, right. a fantastic job doing that. And for me personally, I like oh, to see thanks. it because it keeps, you know, it kind of like, oh, just get your appetite a little wet, right? It's like a like a little from hell appetizer that you're serving up every couple of days. A little Helldorf. <laughs> <laughs> Helldorf, nice. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about those uh, videos here in a few minutes and, and all the cool stuff. But uh, I guess, you know, looking at this, last time we spoke was literally just almost exactly a year ago. It's pretty crazy. You'd had this original guest that maybe 
Rats and Raves would come out around February. All things considered, you're pretty on the mark. You're you're right there, not too far off. So it sounds like you'd already had a a pretty good plan in place to kind of make that happen. So are you uh you ready for this release? I think so. I think we have all, you know, all of our ducks in a row and and ready to well, you know, we were we were about to go on tour. Yeah. You know, we were trying to set up some tours and and a live show, you know, our CD release show was supposed to happen in June. Of course, none of that's happening now. But uh, we are scheduled to go on tour in Europe in September. Yeah, with Atheist. So maybe if things open up, yeah, with Atheist and Cadaver. Yeah. And, uh, and Smart Crown. So I'm pretty excited about that. But, you know, I'm still a little leery. I'm not sure it's going to happen. It's at the moment... No, I just I got my fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, you know, th- things are kind of starting to to wind back up a little bit. I think, you know, states are hesitantly testing the waters, seeing what they can do. You know, I, I think you're slated for September. So the fall seems seems fairly reasonable. You know, I, I think at that point mm-hmm. we'll have a, a pretty good grasp on on, you know, how things are going to play out. So uh, we're, we're going to you know, pray to whatever fucking underground deities you need to make that happen. But uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it. <laughs> September, October, November, end of the year, I think we're going to see a lot of stuff that people that have been kind of backed up for a while, they're, they're going to, I think you're going to see a lot of people get out there and play. So that's, uh, that's definitely something worth uh, looking forward to, I guess, if you got to. Well, we can hope. Got to, yeah, hold on to something there. So, well, you know, let's talk about this album a little bit. Like you said, May 22nd. You've had roughly the last time we spoke. I mean, it had already been in in progress for quite some time. Uh, so let's uh, let's get the basic storyline. If I if I read into this correctly as I listen, uh, so somewhere in you know Eastern Europe back in the day, kind of medieval stuff. Father releases some kind of an evil presence, right? And then this witch kind of pops up, this evil deity steals a son, takes all the kids, you know, kind of like fucking Temple of Doom or something. She kills them all, sacrifices them, raises them from the dead, using some special rats to reanimate them. They do her evil bidding. Am I somewhere in the right ballpark? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 pretty pretty close. I think you got it. I think you got it. Yeah, I think you got it. Give us the yeah. uh, the so the the details, the fine story. How did you come up with this concept, and you know, kind of really did it end up being what you thought it would be when you first started it? Um, okay, let's see. Well, the story is it's about a witch who uh, is awoken from you know some deep past. Uh, this father is out, you know, in the woods. And, and he disturbs this evil, and she comes to steal the children, um, and she sacrifices them and reanimates their corpses with rats. So when the raven comes to take their souls, she traps the raven so their souls can't leave, and then she has possession of their souls, and then she reanimates them with rats and sends them back to the villages to steal more children. And, you know, I don't know, just a really weird story I came up with. It sounded horrific to me. Good family-friendly <laughs> story. Sit around, little Timmy. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> so, uh, so the the rats and the ravens they they kind of work together, right? So the 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 rats more or less reanimate these corpses. Is it by like in inhabiting the corpses and their motion makes the bodies live, or is there some kind of a you're biting them, you're feeding them, and they pass on some kind of organism that just makes them fucking come back from the dead? <laughs> I know it's super techno well, nerdy shit. I but... think that's, I, I think that's best left up to each each person's imagination how oh, that works. You don't want to spill the secret yeah. sauce. <laughs> well, it's um, let's see what's the best way to to, to describe this. Uh, well, she kind of the witch derives her power from Samael and from Lilith and from Ninkilim, uh, who is is an old old. Deity, Ancient who is deities. the Lord of Rats, uh-huh. and so you know through you know through her worship of these deities, you know she kind of develops into this crazy witchy thing, and somehow comes up with this power to reanimate corpses with rats. You know from the from the power of Ninkilim and the dark spirit she is embodied from Lilith and Samael. 
So she's become this witch thing. <laughs> witch thing. So there, there's some kind of mythology, though, tied into it. Some some pre-existing stuff that you can kind of do your own homework and dig into if you really want to, I guess, go balls deep into it. Yeah, so the children of Lilith and Samael are called Lilium. And so she is kind of taken on, you know, this persona of Lilith, at least in her mind. And, you know, she has, again, come up with this power. And so when she reanimates these children, she calls them Lilium. Yeah. The uh, the characters in the story, uh, who who is in the story? Tell us everybody that kind of plays a role there. Well, it starts off with... Um, uh, this father running from the, you know, running out of the forest, you know, seeking refuge in his home because he has disturbed this evil and he can feel this presence coming after him. And there's been some kind of lore in the village already that these things exist. And so, you know, they paint symbols on the door to protect themselves. And, uh, you know, they spill lamb's blood on the floor and on the door, you know, trying to ward off the evil. As long as you don't cross the barrier, you're safe, that kind of thing. And so so at the end of the first chapter, you can hear that uh, that the little boy has crossed the threshold and has disappeared into the forest with the, with the rest of the Lilium. So there's the father, there's the witch, there's the boy, there's the Lilium, there's the rats and the ravens, and mm-hmm. Sin... Uh, your third person counterpart, we shall call him, uh, serves really kind of more as a storyteller in this sense than, say, in Ascent from Hell, where he was actually a physical character in the storyline. Right. Um, there is a, I guess, a, you know, a, a god of the rats persona, but that's yes. really not indicative of, of him. It's just indicative of, uh, a whole different set of circumstances. So, so right. you kind of took that a different story. Yeah. You took that role on of like, I just want to really tell the story, but not be in the story. Right. Right. The, uh, uh, writing process for this one, was it similar to when you did ascent from hell? Did you kind of approach it like an ascent? You, you'd mentioned that you kind of did, everything was fragmented and kind of put together at different times. And the stories weren't necessarily, written in a linear fashion. Was it the same approach for this one, or did you kind of find yourself already having one under your belt that you kind of had a, a more distinct path that you wanted to go down? Uh, yes and no. So I did, uh, after I finished writing Ascent from Hell, I I sat down and wrote uh, the story for Rats and Ravens. And this story was actually pretty detailed. You know, I, I did write something from start to finish, but then over the course of writing the music and kind of developing what the sound was going to be uh, and writing the lyrics, the lyrics would sometimes come up to be something a little bit different than what I'd written. You know, sometimes sometimes the music didn't exactly sound like what that chapter was. And so, you know, I had to make modifications and eventually the... This is pretty close to what I originally wrote, um, but it didn't exactly work out the way I'd written it the first time. So, you know, some parts would show up here and here, you know, in different places. And I, I have to say it was pretty challenging trying to, to write this album because, like I said, you know, some songs would sound like certain parts. But, the you know, it just trying to mesh the two was, was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, but eventually it worked out. Eventually it worked out and I'm really happy with the final outcome. So when you were writing, uh, cause you know, you'd mentioned that some of the, the music as you're writing didn't kind of fit the lyrical concept. I'm guessing you had more or less the, the lyrics to the songs kind of roughed out ahead of time before the music was put to them. I, I had the concept that I wanted for each song, but then when I started writing the lyrics, Sometimes the lyrics would tell parts of the story from a different point, but I liked the way the lyrics were coming out. So I just, I kind of went with the flow and sort of let the music guide the story, you know, the overall story. So I really, whereas I had the basic concept of the, of the story written, 
I couldn't really write the lyrics completely until I had all the songs recorded. And I knew how each part was going to sound and which song was in, in, you know, next in line. So the songs had to be arranged how, you know, it was important to me that the flow of the songs went well together. And then I could put the story on top of that. And then again, with the flow of the songs, what I'd written in the chapters didn't exactly work. So I had to kind of, um, you know, change things up a little bit. But, you know, in the end, that was okay. You know, it, it, it worked out exactly like, exactly like, not exactly like I wanted, but pretty close. You know, I'm, I'm really happy with the final product. So the, the final product is true to the original vision that you had. Um, the overall concept, yes. Yeah, but? Well, I mean, just little little bits would change here and there. Like, I, there were details in the original story that didn't exactly come out in the lyrics. Ah. Um, and I, sometimes that's, you know, I mean, I could sit down and write the story out, and then it would paint a deeper picture of to really what I'm thinking. But I couldn't exactly get all those details into each song or, you know, the, the, the storyline. So... Yeah, it's it's I mean, and you're talking about writing from several different character perspectives and sometimes you have multiple characters interacting, so you're singing as multiple characters within one song and some of those songs are fucking long. <laughs> so I can only imagine that this <laughs> trying to trying to fit all that stuff into one and and get all those ideas, you know, mapped out word for word probably it's one of those things where it sounds great on paper and then you go to, to put it to practical application and you're like, I just don't know how to make this happen. Uh, believe me, I racked my brain over it several nights in a row, you know, weeks at a time just going, how do I make this work? How do I make this work? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then over time, over time, it eventually, you know, the puzzle pieces fall into place. Sure. But it took some time. You know, I mean, I've, I've written several different versions of lyrics for this album. Like, okay, I think I got it. Oh, wait, what about this? Okay, let me redo this. Oh, but what about this? Oh, crap, I've got to do this again. I don't know. Let's do this. <laughs> there was just a lot of different uh, perspectives. Like, I know that you, you design the concepts for these. You know, you're kind of the architect of everything. Did you bounce any of this new stuff off the, off the band? You've had a pretty solid band with the same guys now for a while. Um, was it something that you were like, hey, what do you think about this passage or this passage or what do you think about this story arc? Did that happen or was this already still more or less fully developed conceptually by the time you'd started recording this album? Uh, you know, I would send stuff out to the band to let them check it out, you know, and and they would usually default to whatever, you know, I was coming up with. They, you know, they liked the direction that I was going. So no one ever came back and said, Oh, that sucks. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to fucking do this song. This it was more <laughs> it, 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 it was more about about me being uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just me being decisive in what I wanted. Sure. You know, yeah. Like a movie director, right? You just gotta gotta go with the path, right. stay right. on the path. Right. What was the mm -hmm. first song that was fully completed? Uh, for this project? Well, let's see. Um, well, when we came back from Russia back in 2017, we had two songs that we were playing. Uh, one of them was They Come at Night, and the other was The Witch. Um, uh, the lyrics more or less stayed the same. The Witch changed a little bit after, you know, after we came back. I had different lyrics while we were on the road because we're still kind of writing it, to be honest. <laughs> um, but when we when we came back and uh, recorded the demo at Earhammer, that's when the lyrics kind of solidified. And those those two songs actually sort of set the set the goalposts for the whole concept because those two songs were written first. Um, I developed the rest of the story kind of around those. And so they come at night was always intended to be first. Okay, cool. And then the witch, the witch was actually going to be much later in the, in the, in the order of songs, but the way it ended up, uh, lining up in the writing ended up putting it, uh, you know, third or fourth, I guess the fourth track. So, but it, you know, that's how it worked out. So I'm like, okay, this is, you know, that's fine with me. Yeah. 
And you released uh, Lilium as a single with uh, a lyric video oh, a couple months back. And then, as you were saying, you just released They Come at Night as a second single. And that one's like a, a full motion on set video. Um, so as we were talking about, you actually filmed that video quite some time ago. And did you also film a video for The Witch? Or was it another one that yes. you had done? Okay. It, it was The Witch. Yeah, that one's... That one's set to come out sometime in June. We okay. do have a video for that. So we shot we shot them at the same time. Yeah. No, the set on that's really cool. Kind of out in the forest in the in the deep dark woods where all the all the bullshit's happening, I'm assuming it's that that kind of area. <laughs> so yeah. it's a really cool set though. I like the vibe of it. It's it's dark. It's got kind of that eerie lighting in there. Um uh, how was your experience? You'd mentioned that you'd had some some pretty bad experiences with videos in the past. So uh, why don't you tell us about those kind of jacked up experiences and how these ones differed for you? Oh, well, let's see. Uh, just every time we go to shoot a music video, you know, something happens. Uh, we, we actually started shooting videos for Ascent from Hell. But for some reason, we, you know, we have some, we have a bunch of footage, but uh, we haven't been able to to compile it all into a, a a finished video yet and we may do that again at some point in the future you know uh, i have this um um friend of mine down in la who's a director and he he stepped in to to uh film a bunch of that and and he just got busy with some other projects and didn't have time to finish up those videos and by the time you know you know, at, at so much time passes, like, well, we can't put a video out for this album four years later. That's, <laughs> you know, so, you know, we may do that at some point in the future, you know, if, you know, maybe, you know, if something killer happens, we can actually shoot some more stuff for it and make uh, a longer concept of, of Ascent from Hell. Um, and then, so Rick came back and helped us shoot uh, They Come at Night and The Witch. So he was, he was the director on those. And so, I think they came out pretty cool. Yeah. Um, for some of the other videos, let's see. Uh, we've tried to shoot some other live videos, uh, but always, whatever happens, something's always wrong. Like for <laughs> one of the first ones, we had everything set up, you know, had a party going on, had, you know, big audience there. We had lights. We had, you know, and the sound guy who was coming to record it didn't have his sound gear hooked up right. And we got awesome video. But no no audio. <laughs> no audio. No audio from the sound so guy. Then, yeah, well, you know, let's not get into that. <laughs> uh, you know, so so then for the next video, um, we tried to do it again. Similar setup. Uh, this time, one of the guitars wasn't working properly. So we have one good guitar, but the other guitar sound didn't come through quite as well. So... You know, we have all this audio, but no way to really make, you know, make it sound good, you know, to go along with the video. Maybe, you know, I'll go back and take a look at some of that stuff. You know. um, and then we we try to do it again. We played a show with Hellstar at uh, one of the venues here in Oakland. And again, we had everything all set up. And then when we started the show, my guitar started cutting out. And then I think maybe the third song third or fourth song into the set, the whole light rig shut down. <laughs> and so we're just like, what? And then the last time we uh, shot a video at the Elbow Room in San Francisco uh, for Carla LeVay's um, uh, Black x Mass Party on Christmas night. And uh, again, we had everything set up, packed house, uh, had uh, the full production of the show. And the sound guy forgot to push record on the audio. <laughs> so we had no audio from the soundboard. And we had, it, was, it, it, was, it would have been great because it was all multi-track. We would have been able to go back and remix all the sound. We had multiple cameras uh, shooting the show. And then even the camera guys tried to record it. And somebody hung a coat on the microphone in the back room. So you had two microphones in the back of the room. Somebody decided to use it as a coat hanger. So we have one microphone on one side, but not on the other. So we're just, uh, it, it's just been, it's just been a fiasco sometimes, but now we finally shot this video and 
it took a little while for it. To, you know, you know, we didn't want to put it out when we recorded the two demo songs. We didn't want the songs to get old before the record came out. Yeah, sure. So we just, you know, waited. So we just waited until the album was ready. And, you know, now the album's finally ready. And we were able to finally put out this video. Yeah. And I think we're all pretty happy with it. So, you know, finally something with good sound, good production. <laughs> yeah, no, the production's killer on it. What was the, uh, was there a, a deciding factor on kind of which order to release those videos in? Did it have anything to do with where they fall in the storyline? Um, originally I did want to release, they come at night first. Um, and then Lillian, because that's the next chapter in the story. And then the witch, you know, I, I did kind of want to do it chronologically, but because we uh, only had a lyric video for Lillian, we decided that would be better to release that first. Um, and then closer to album release date, release some more production, the, the better production video. Sure. Makes sense. Well, now I think it's time to check out one of these songs. So here it is, the first single off Rats and Ravens. This one's called Lilium.
Well, production on the video is killer, and production on the album is killer. I mean, I, I always liked the kind of the raw feel of Ascent from Hell. I thought everything sounded really good, and it, it felt like just a really powerful album. I think the mix on Rats and Ravens really makes it a little bit more percussive, and especially the vocals are really powerful on this album. Um, was there anything no, different that you said, hey, let's 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 kind of go for this kind of a sound on that? Or did you just let your engineer kind of have his way and it just turned out that way? It just turned out that way. Well, when we came back from Russia, again, we uh, went to Greg and, and he recorded uh, They Come at Night and The Witch for us. Um, and uh, we really liked working with Greg. And he was just really easygoing. We liked the sound of the recording. And I thought, well, you know, when it comes time to do the album, let's go back to Greg. You know, he's, uh, you know, uh, he's uh, a great guy, great engineer. Um, and so, um, yeah, you know, the band just really liked working with him a lot. Like I said, he's just really easygoing. And, and you know, we kind of wanted that raw sound, too. We didn't want something that was overproduced, that was, you know, everything resampled to just, you know, hit you in the face every, it's like, you know, I, I I like kind of that raw production. You know, just to, I, I do like the album to be produced, but not overproduced. I don't want you know every snare hit to just hit you in the face every single time. And, and besides, West doesn't play like that. He plays with a lot of ghost hits in between in between his hits. So if you're listening, you know you'll hear the the snare on the beat where it's supposed to go, but then you also hear these little you know cats behind it. You know that you know fill in a little bit that a lot of other drummers don't do. And so, you know, I'm really happy with, you know, with the way Wes played and, and, you know, his experience doing other things besides metal, I think gave it a different kind of feel. Especially in relation to the drums, I think that was actually one of the first things I noticed was that this, the songs all have a, a pretty different dynamic feel to them. I mean, you've got stuff that sounds kind of thrashy. You've got stuff that sounds, you know, deathy. You've got stuff that has kind of more of a power metal vibe to it. But specifically on the drums, I did notice that, that, you know, each song, like the snare might have a slightly different sound to it, or maybe it's a little farther forward. And, you know, maybe the whole emphasis of the song is, you know, right on the beat and you're getting that snare, but it's not like that snappy gunshot snare. It's kind of more of an ambient. And so I just thought that was, that was really prevalent. Uh, and I, I really actually kind of, a kind of appreciated that that the drums were treated a little bit differently on that. It was it definitely came out killer. Cool. Yeah. Cool. The, the, uh, as far as songs go, you know, I, uh, definitely noticed that there was a lot more like to them. I noticed that there was a lot more changes in some of the songs. Uh, the compositions seem to be a little bit more complex. Um, and I thought ascent was pretty complex. And then I'm listening to, to rats and ravens and I'm like, Holy shit, man, there's, there's 20 passages in this song. <laughs> These <laughs> compositions are they're pretty insane. So uh, was that also just kind of a natural progression, or did you set out to go, I kind of want to tweak this a little bit with the formula? Um, yes, all of that happened. You know, it's uh, um, I did want to take a slightly different approach to writing these songs. Um, and... Um, and it was, it was great this time around when we were doing the, uh, pre-production for the album, uh, Steve was around. And so, um, typically the way I write is I'll write the whole the song. I'll put, you know, basic drum beat. Sometimes I'll add bass, but I don't usually need to do that. You know, I'll have the you know, basic guitar tracks and the basic drums and then take it to the, to rehearsal. And then the band will play it the way they, they feel it. Right, and then with Steve, you know, being at, uh, at pre-production, uh, he just he's amazing at complimenting what you do. So you know, with some of what I'm playing, Steve would come in and play something just slightly different, and it would, you know, come up with you know some of these interesting, um, you know, just these interesting, like just webs of music you know just the way it would all kind of work together you know his his ear for harmony is 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 you know really really great um one of the things that you know i was trying to do myself was um create a lot of tension 
with you know with like mixing minor seconds you know i mean those those are just two notes that just clash right you know right in your face and so the witch i have a lot of that going on yeah i was gonna call that out yeah it it kind of gives it this weird kind of pull when you're listening to it and i did you know when i was writing it i did you know make it so that 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 tension wasn't there you know by having us having the two guitars do the same thing and i just didn't like it. I thought, you know what? I really like that tension that I have, that that kind of builds up in those parts. And and um, and I think when Steve came along, he just, you know, complimented that that feeling that I was going for. Yeah, you, you use dissonance quite a bit, which is something I've always been a big fan of. And I love starting out with a kind of like a slow, sludgy, doomy vibe. And it's really fucking dark and eerie and evil sounding. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're into a complete different time signature change and it's hitting you in the face. That's just killer. I think probably my favorite song off there is uh, Forest of the Screaming Trees. I love that oh, one. Cool. That one's really cool. And I, while I don't necessarily think that that's going to be the one that most people are drawn to, I particularly like the lead work in that. And I definitely like the different kind of uh, signature changes in that as well. I think that Body Rats is going to be your new nun with a gun. I think that <laughs> that's going to be the one because that you know, body rats, body rat, you know, his body was filled with rats. It's so fucking cool. And it's singable, you know, and I, I think in metal, that's an element that's often missing is that a lot of stuff isn't really singable. You know, it's not something you can always follow along to. Um, and, and that one, I, I got stuck in my head the first time I was listening to what you sent me. I was like, oh, my God. This song oh, is cool. just, it's catchy as hell. And so that's the first thing I thought of also was, you know, none with the gun, because clearly that was an element in that song that people were able to recognize and follow along with. So that's my prediction is that that song becomes your new none with a gun. Yeah, I like the I like I like playing that song. That song's a lot of fun. Do you have some favorites? I mean, I know they're probably all your favorites, but do any stand out maybe a little bit more than others? Yeah, one of my, I think my favorites on, I, I really like Lilium, The Witch, and Don't Cry for Help. Yeah. I think those are, those are my top three. And, and, uh, for me, I think three and, uh, Don't Cry for Help and three and nine are, are my, are the ones that I think are closest to King Diamond. Yeah. And, you know, from my perspective, I just, I feel like, like those were those two songs are pretty theatrical. Yeah. And I those are a lot of fun to play. I just I can't wait to play those live. Yeah. Have you had a chance to physically have all you guys together and play the songs for anybody, small nope. audiences or anybody? <laughs> no, nothing, huh? Nope, not yet. Friends we're just come over ready to get set up to do that. <laughs> yeah, we're just getting ready to have rehearsals and then shelter in place. No one's going anywhere. Fuck. So yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you got this album out then and, and you touched on it earlier. You got this gig hooked up with uh, with Atheist and some other killer bands. How, how did that come to be? How did that conversation start? Uh, the uh, booking agency or touring agency in Europe that uh, took us out with Possessed and Belfagor a few years ago. I had this tour available, so you know we hit them up and and they brought us on board. So this, yeah, you know, I told them that you know, you know, that we have a new album coming out and we want to support it. So you know, they brought us on. That's awesome. Had you met them before or played with them in the past? No, not yet, not yet. But when I when the tour was announced, I sent a message over to Atheist and Kelly Schaefer got right back to me and he was really cool. I can't wait to meet that guy in person. He seems super, super fun and super cool. Yeah. You know, one of those bands that's been around for a long time that's kind of had a pretty big impact on, I would say, the metal industry as a whole. They're still kind of legends out there at that, uh, especially for the timeline that they came out from. So I think that'll be pretty killer. And of course, Cadaver as well, super epic and old school. So European tour, how about plans for anything in the U.S. once that's done? Well, certainly we'd like to do that, but hard to make any plans at this point. I mean, we just, we just kind of can't, we just have to sit back and see how COVID-19, you know, shapes the landscape. So, you know, really, I think it's going to be, you know, next summer before anybody's really playing shows again, or even late, 
late next summer. So we just got to kind of wait. And when that happens, then, you know, we'll certainly get back out there and start touring. And who knows? I think with this downtime, I may try to, I am going to try to start working on a new record. You know, might as well, yeah. might as well use the downtime to write something, you know. So I'm going to, I'm going to, be busy doing that. Yeah. I think it's challenging right now because, you know, your your normal course of promotion is is not really the same. It is hard to get out there and and tour. Uh also hard to get mm-hmm. out there and just do kind of, you know, press related stuff. So, have you uh have you been involved at all in any of like the, I don't know, Facebook Live stuff with your fan base or running any kind of uh promotions like that where you can kind of talk directly to the people uh, that are out there buying stuff not not yet but we do have some of that in the works uh metal devastation radio is gonna have us do something here in the next few days or something like that so we're working on putting that together so yeah. trying to figure out how to make how to make zoom parties work so, <laughs> you know so the weekend you know the whole band can be part of an interview or something like that you know? yeah so yeah we're working on that we're gonna we definitely plan to do that you know we think it's important to to get out there and actually talk to people, you know. I think that that's something I've noticed a lot more of now is that, you know, you're forcing yourself to kind of think a little bit more outside of the traditional box of maybe what you're used to doing. Um, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's new you opportunities. Know, man, the last 20 years have been like that. Yeah, the last <laughs> 20 years have been that. <laughs> really. I mean, you just, the normal uh, ways of promotion and whatnot have just, changing every few years you know so it's you just got to kind of roll with it and you know figure out how to roll with those changes as they come so yeah things always kind of have a way of evolving for sure and you know for whatever reason you find yourself like oh fuck now i gotta do it this way and then you realize once you've done it oh that was pretty cool that was nowhere near as bad as i thought it would be right and my stuff has definitely evolved you know i had originally planned to just have the show be a live in studio format with local bands and maybe I do the occasional on location stuff somewhere along the way it morphed into talking online to people all over the states and then all over the world and now I'm like well this is even more badass just to be able to do all of it yeah I appreciate that uh, people all over the world are able to talk to you and it's it's pretty amazing you know I mean uh lots of fans over in eastern Europe and South America and it's just cool you know when people hit you up and say hey you know i really like what you're doing it's uh and you know they engage with you it's 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 pretty cool I like yeah it. that is actually pretty badass that's i think one of my favorite things about the magic of the interwebs right is that you know you can talk to people from wherever and uh you know it's just you get you get to stay in touch with people and i think really more than anything right now since people can't get out and see their bands live and go to concerts and go up to the merch table and, you know, pick out a whole bunch of different stuff. They are jonesing for that interaction just to be able to say, hey, listen, I still got a chance to spend five minutes talking with this person or, you know, whatever. So I think I think it's an important element that uh, that people are are realizing it's probably more important than they initially thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. You know, just the amount of reach. Is, it's great. Yeah, for sure. So the plan for Rats and Ravens is for it to really stand apart on its own from Ascent from Hell, right? It's not part of a trilogy or a series or a greater work. So all of the concepts are going to be completely unrelated. It's it's really its own story. You know, it's Ascent from Hell was one story. Rats and Ravens is another story. And, you know, for the next album, I'm going to write something completely different. So I don't know what that's going to be yet. It hasn't yet come to my brain but uh uh you know I'll, I'll sit down and work on something i'm sure you've got some small idea of maybe a a character or a line or something popping around in that little head of yours you know there's some little <laughs> nugget of awesomeness that is already formulating i can feel it that's cool yeah like you said make use of that time so after the release and after this tour, if it happens, then then what's next? What are you guys going to do? I mean, the the plan is just to just tour as much as possible, you know, until we can sit down and record the next record. I mean, but that's, you know, what, you know, what the band wants to do is we just want to tour, get out there and play music. And that's what, you know, the ultimate goal is just kind of stay on the road and 
get out there and play music and you know have a good time awesome anything else that, uh, that you want to plug uh, before I let you get back to your day today hmm. any tidbit of information that I I fail to coerce out of you <laughs> um, well let's see after this album uh, I think we do have a couple of other things that we're going to release a little bit later in the year that aren't on the record. Oh, uh, some stuff that some stuff that we did record, um, but um, but didn't put on the record. Just cover material. Uh, some yes, some no. I think I vaguely remember you you mentioning something a while ago that there was that in the works. So we might see that stuff this year at some point. Then yes, you know, uh, so one cover, one original. You know, we'll let people know when that stuff's ready to come out. Oh, see, keep your eyes and ears peeled. There's always something new and completely unrelated to an album. This is just awesome bonus stuff. Check this out just for the hell of it. Yep. Yeah, love it. Cool. Well, hey, man, uh, thanks for hanging out with me again today. Congratulations on the release of Rats and Ravens. I'm really excited for that. And uh, I guess we'll see you out there next time if you ever get a chance to play out in the States again. All right. Mike, thank you for having me up. Appreciate it. Much obliged. Oh, thank you, brother. And of course, thanks to all of you for hanging out once again. You know, I'm not blowing smoke when I say that I'm a huge fan of From Hell, and I'm very excited about the release of Rats and Ravens. I have heard it. It's awesome. Take my word for it. You're going to want to check this out. And there is still time to pre-order Rats and Ravens. So hop on fromhell.net, set up your pre-order, and pick up some merch while you're at it. Speaking of merch, the Misery Point Radio merch store is back online. Thanks to everyone for pushing me to get off my ass and get it back up and going. I know it was down for a while. Sorry about that. But you can hop on tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash Misery Point Radio to get your merch fixed. Newly designed shirts, hoodies, even masks to protect the world from your hideous faces. And if you like what I'm doing and you want to help out the show, you can always check out the Misery Point Radio Patreon page. Patrons get discounts on merch and some other cool bonuses. But enough sales pitching. We're going to close this out with the latest single off From Hell's Rats and Ravens. This one's called They Come at Night. They Come at Night.